So I'm excited to share God's Word with you guys this morning as we continue in this series called Living with Limits. We've been in this series for the last couple of weeks. In just a few weeks, we'll get back to the book of Romans. But Pastor Glenn wanted to take a few weeks and talk about some topical things that are important in our lives. We're going to talk about marriage next Sunday and then dating the Sunday following that. And a special day on the 22nd, I believe, for our students. And so we're going to try to hit them with a topic that's relevant to them and relevant to some of you as well in terms of dating. But this morning, we're going to talk about technology. And uh, I probably am one of the least qualified people in the world to talk about technology. Uh, You may feel like that too. I use it though, and all of us do. And really, the truth is we all benefit and enjoy the benefits of technology all the time. It's not just recently. Most of us have for all of our lives because the reality is I looked in the parking lot this morning and I didn't see any horses out there. Some horsepower, but no horses, okay? No wagons. And, And I also noticed as you guys came in this morning that I wasn't sure, but I don't think any of you made your own clothes this morning. Maybe you did, but if you did, you're really good because it looks like to me somebody professional made most of the things that we're wearing today. So technology is all around us and you probably also enjoy the fact that this room is climate controlled this morning and there are no big fans blowing air around in here. We, we benefit from technology all the time. We use it all the time. I love technology in some ways. I love that I can pick and choose whatever music I want to listen to whenever I want to listen to it. If I want to listen to the same song over 15 times, I can do that. I don't have to wait for them to play it somewhere. I can control that. I love that I can access any topic about anything in the world anytime I want to and find out whatever I want to find out about that. Don't you love that too? And then what I really love about technology is the personal nature of it. The fact that I can talk to and actually see my son and daughter-in-law who are 4,000 miles away at my fingertips with no extra charge. I was talking to my accountability partner this week. We've been partners for a long, long time, and we were laughing about what it used to call, uh, what it used to cost to call each other every week when we had to pay long distance. I've forgotten all about long distance, you know, but it used to be every month that was an expense on our phone bill that we had long distance charges, you know. That used to be the, the, the bane of my existence in my marriage. My sisters, I mean, my wife's sisters all live in Washington State, so she would call and I would get the bill and I'd be like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? So yeah, technology has advanced and improved our lives in a lot of ways, but we also know that in the past 20 so years, maybe even more recent than that, that technology has exploded at such a rate that most of us can't even keep up with it, don't even understand all of it. And, and of late, what we're hearing is that there's some real downsides to technology and people are beginning to realize that maybe they need some limits in terms of how they use technology. Maybe you're already feeling that as well. So this morning, I want to take God's word, and though the Bible doesn't specifically talk about technology, there's lots of things the Bible doesn't specifically talk about, there are a lot of great principles in the Bible that can help us make decisions about how we use technology and a lot of other things. Uh, Summer of 82 and 83, I was in college, and I was serving as a summer intern at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Adrian Rogers was the pastor, was the pastor there. You can still hear Adrian's sermons on YouTube amazing preacher, a prince of preachers. I used to sit on the first or second row. I was this close from him and for two summers and heard him preach. And one of the summers I was there, I don't remember which one, he preached on six positive principles for proper practice. He was the king of alliteration, okay? And all from 1 Corinthians. And so as I thought about this message today about technology and how we use technology, because the Bible doesn't specifically mention it, I thought those points really apply to our use of technology. So I want to share those with you. They're his points. I can't improve on them. So I'm giving him complete credit this morning for them, but it's my sermon. Okay. So I took his points and put my sermon to it. So maybe, I don't know if you call it the best of both worlds or not. 
Um, the reality is there's a lot that has to do with technology today that I don't understand that probably you as parents and grandparents don't understand either. So there's a podcast that our youth ministers did this week called the Extra Point Podcast. Pastor Glenn and I usually do this each week. But this week, uh, Will Hagel and Michael Curl did this. And so tomorrow that'll be available on our church's website and other places you get a podcast, download podcasts. So you can understand maybe a little more specifically as parents and grandparents, what our kids are facing in terms of technology and the explosion of technology. So I would encourage you uh, to look into that. Um, these points that I was going to share with you, though, are from Adrian. So they're all from the book of 1 Corinthians. So we're not going to read a whole passage because there's a bunch of different passages this morning. This is more of a topical sermon, which we don't do a lot of here. But if you want to go ahead and take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians and maybe take some notes this morning, these principles are applicable to many different things in your life. And, and again, yes, there are rules in the Bible, but, but more than not, there are principles. There are things that you can apply to lots of different things in your life. And so this morning, I have six principles here that I want to get through with you. And so really, each of these could probably be their own message. But we don't have time for that this morning. You don't want to hear six sermons, right? So just, let's just do one this morning, and I'll share these principles kind of quickly. And then you can do further research if you want to and think about how to apply these. But the first principle this morning is this, the principle of expediency. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul said this, and you're familiar with this. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Some translations say not everything is profitable. That's true in life. Paul's saying everything's lawful for me. It's not going to send me to hell, but the reality is it's not always the best thing for me. And I wonder if that's even part of the equation for us when we make decisions about things. And instead of what can I get away with, what's okay, what's right or wrong, that's not the question Paul's asking here. He's saying it's not a question of what's right or wrong, it's a question of what's best. What helps me have a better relationship with God? That's a great question to ask yourself because the reality is technology comes with some drawbacks. Um, one of the things that I think technology hinders sometimes is, is our relationship with God in terms of distractions. We all have distract... Hang on. I got to take this. Just hang on. Just. Okay. All right. What was I saying? Yes. Distractions. Okay. Yeah. You get it, right? That ever happened to you in a meeting, having a really close personal conversation with somebody and all of a sudden they go... And you just lost them. You're like, wait, we're right here. What are you doing? You know? And that's what happens. And that happens in our interpersonal relationships, but it also affects our relationship with God pretty dramatically. I don't know if when you sit down to have FaceTime with God, one-on-one -on -one time with God, if you put your device somewhere else, I hope you do. Because one of the things that our devices and the use of technology can do in our lives is it can make us incredibly impulsive. I mean, I don't know about you, but I check my phone all the time. All the time. You can go in, if you have an iPhone, you can go into screen time in your controls and you can, your settings, you can go in and find out how many times a day you pick up your phone. It'll shock you, really. You may go, no, I already know, I have a problem with it. Because the reality is, it has our attention all the time and it makes us inattentive to things that are important all around us. I mean, I kind of illustrated that a minute ago, but have you ever been with somebody in a conversation and then they look down at their phone? I interviewed a girl several years ago and she came in and sat down in my office and she put her phone in her lap and she was looking at me. And if I took my eyes off of her for one second and I just started doing it for fun just to see if she would, you know, I mean, I'm that way. And so I would look at her and I would talk to her and then I'd look over here for a second and I could see her head drop. She was looking at her phone. And I'd look back at her and she'd look right at me, you know, she had that over, that over expression on her face like, no, I'm looking at you. I'm paying attention to what you're saying. That's what happens. You're in a conversation with people 
And sometimes something goes off and what they're telling you is what's happening on my phone, what's happening on my device is more important than what we're doing right here. It might be. I mean, you might get an emergency phone call. It doesn't happen that often, I don't imagine, but sometimes. And what does that do in our relationship with God? When you spend time with God, I hope that one of the things you do is you set that aside. It makes us impulsive. It creates a lack of attention on our part. We have a hard time focusing. Uh, the guy that led me to the Lord, Dan DeHaan, was the chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons. And he used to say that one of the deadliest sins for Christians in the 80s, and certainly truer now, is a lack of quietness. We just don't have quietness in our life. We have noise in our life all the time. Lots of different, lots of different avenues for how that comes into our life. But mostly, technology is how that noise comes into our life. Think about that. In your own life, a lack of quietness. So sometimes you don't have to have your device on. You could actually turn it off. I mean, that's a novel idea for some people. But when you're with the Lord, especially, I encourage you, set that aside. Hopefully you have some time every day in your life where you give God face time. You know, Moses went to the tent of meeting and at the tent of meeting, he met to God, met with God face to face as a friend to another friend. That's, that's beautiful. That's exactly why the gospel matters is because you can't have that unless your sin's forgiven. But once you trust Jesus as your savior and you receive the gospel into your life, you can have your sin forgiven and therefore what you're created for is to have that personal intimate relationship with God, FaceTime. If you don't have that, you're missing the reason that you were saved, the reason that he made you is to have that kind of relationship with you. So I encourage you to find some time every day to do that, but that's gonna mean that you've gotta set aside that which distracts you, that which makes you impulsive, which steals your attention away all the time and steals that sense of quietness in your life. You gotta set it aside. And if that's an issue, I, I always tell people there's two times in your day that you can control how early you get up and how late you go to bed. And pretty much after that, everything in your day, you're not necessarily in control of those times. But yeah, you can get up earlier. We talked about parenting last week. I think one of the, one of the best ways to lead your kids is to lead from a place of quietness. If you're up before your kids and you're spending time alone with the Lord, then when you get them up or once they get up, you're gonna be in a better place to lead them and to, to pour into their lives in the morning time than if you're getting up late and you're frantic and you haven't spent any time with the Lord. And so set that thing aside, set the technology aside so that you can actually have time with the Lord. So here's a question for you related to this first principle of expediency, what's best? Is this helping me love God more? Whatever, your use of technology, that's a great question just to ask yourself. Is this helping me love God more? If it's not, then it's not that important, set it aside. Second principle this morning is this, the principle of enslavement. First Corinthians six twelve. again, Paul said, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. What will increase your freedom in your life? What will increase something's control over you? Most of us don't want things to have control over us, but the reality is if we're honest, sometimes technology can have that influence in our life. I was doing premarital counseling with a couple and um, not too long ago, and, and I always ask when we talk about communication, I asked the, the groom, I said, look, what do you think, I want you to turn to your bride-to-be and I want you to tell her what is it that you wish she would do better in terms of communicating with you. And I'm gonna give her a chance to do the same thing in a minute. And he looked at her and he said, I wish you weren't on your phone all the time. So it's her turn, I went to her and said, hey, tell him. She goes, I wish you weren't on your phone all the time. <laughs> Completely honest, she wasn't doing it to retaliate. She was like, we're both on our phones too much. So I looked at him and I said, look, when you guys go on a date, you just turn your phones off. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you turn it off. It has an off button on it. You hold the thing down, it goes off. It actually is off. It won't buzz, ding, or whatever, you know? 
She goes, I've never turned my phone off ever. I don't even know how to turn it off. And I was like, okay, that might be a good place to start. Let me, let me see your phone. I'll show you how to turn it off. Because the reality is when you're with the most important person in your life, the Holy Spirit doesn't need your cell phone to get your attention. So he can still access you, right? So who else do you need to hear from in that moment? Just turn it off. Spend some time with that person. In your, and in so many times it becomes a controlling influence. Pastor Jeffrey, who's our Marshall campus pastor, he told us at staff meeting a while back that he and his wife, when they go camping, or they went camping last year, and they took their little boy, they just left their phones in the car for the weekend. I mean, they could go get them and access them if they needed to, but they wanted to be together. And they didn't want their phones and the technology related to that to interfere in their interpersonal communication. I thought it was a beautiful idea. Um, Paul's talking about food here, but what he's really talking about is not allowing anything to control you, not allowing anything to have control over you. And the reality is cell phone addiction is apparently a real thing. It, it really is. Some people just kind of go through withdrawals. They go to therapy and they set their phone aside for an hour and they're like, uh, uh, you know. I, I read this week that there's a resort you can go to in Malibu for $8,000 a week. They'll take your devices away from you and you can just go sit on the beach. Man, if you want to come over to my house, you can sit in my garage for free and I'll take your devices, okay? I mean, the reality is sometimes you need a break. You need to get away from the technology that we have all around us. Paul said this in Galatians 5.1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So here's a question related to this. Is this increasing my freedom? Is my use of technology increasing my freedom? Or is it increasing the control that it has over me? And you have to ask yourself that question. How is that relating and how is that working in my life? Third principle this morning is this, the principle of example. First Corinthians 8, 13, Paul said, therefore, if food causes my brother to fall, I'll never eat meat again so that I won't cause my brother to fall. What example are you setting for your spouse in terms of your use of technology? Say, well, I, I mean, we're best friends, we're partners in life. I don't have to set an example for them. Oh, yeah, you should. You ought to think about setting an example for them first and foremost. And then certainly for your kids. What example are you setting for your kids in terms of technology? And, you know, they passed a law a while back that says you can't uh, be texting and driving at the same time. Do you think you're above that? Is that what you teach your kids through your example? Is that, well, I mean, just got to send this one real quick. I just got to respond to this one real quick. Just real quick, don't look, I've just got to do this, right? So what example are you setting for your family and the people around you in terms of the way you use um, technology? At Marbury, we define leadership as this, taking responsibility for my influence. All of us have influence. Leadership is when I take responsibility for it and I embrace the role of leading another person, of actually setting a good example. So what kind of example are you? I know that uh, about, I guess it was last weekend, I had the opportunity to meet three of my, three or four of my best friends that came together and there was actually four of us counting me. And we met at a restaurant over in Tyler. And part of the reason they wanted to get with me is because of what we've been going through and they all live out of town. And so we decided to meet over in Tyler and have lunch together. And I noticed that uh, after I got home, I was thinking about it. Christy was asking me about it. And I said, you know, what was amazing is in those two hours we spent together, I never saw one of those guys look at their phone the whole two hours. I looked at mine because I was thinking you might need me or whatever, but I wasn't on my phone. But the reality is for two hours, we were just present in the moment, laughing, telling stories. Nobody was worried about what was happening somewhere else. And, and so that's an amazing thing to be able to set that aside and be an example to other people by what you do and how you use media. So several years ago, when I was the youth minister here, we had a, 
uh, we would take our junior high kids to one camp and our high school kids to another camp, much like they do today. And about January that year, I got a flyer saying who was going to be this camp speaker and the band for our junior high camp. And so I didn't recognize the, the guy who was the speaker. And so I immediately went on social media and looked him up to see what I could find out about him. And so I was looking through his pictures and there was a picture of him and some other guys and they all had cigars, big old stogies and there was smoke filled the room and they all looked like they were angry. Okay. And so I knew they were probably just having fun. Didn't really know what the picture was about. There was another picture and they all had guns and they were like, you know, being all gangster and everything. So I didn't know what that was about either. I thought they were probably just having fun or whatever, but I called the guy who was the director of the camp and I said, what do you know about this guy? And he goes, well, I don't really know much about him. Somebody recommended him to me. And so uh, he's available and I asked him to come to the camp. I said, have you been on his social media site and looked at some of his pictures? He goes, no. I said, let me encourage you to do that and then call me back if you want to talk about it. So he looked and he called me right back and he said, you're talking about the cigar picture? And I said, yeah. And, and the gun one too. I mean, I don't have anything with problem with guns, but it's just like, this is, I'm, I'm fixing to bring my junior high kids and put them under his influence. And for a week, they're going to listen to him and they're going to think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then they're going to go home and get on his social media site and they're going to see his pictures. And I don't know, what is he trying to say? Now, look, I, I don't smoke. I, I believe my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's not wise or prudent to put anything into your body that harms your body because it's not really my body. It belongs to the Lord. So I don't smoke. Some people think it's okay to do that. Some people think it's okay to smoke cigars. I, I don't, but that's a conviction of mine. Okay. So I didn't know where this guy was. He goes, you know what? I'm going to call the guy and I'm going to find out kind of what that's all about. So he called the guy, he called me back and said, look, he leads a college ministry with some guys. He lives in a college town. He has a ministry on a campus and they do this thing called Holy Smokes and they smoke cigars and study the Bible. Okay. All right. So it's just, they were just having fun. I said, I figured as much, but I said, does it not bother you that we're going to put our teenagers, because our teenagers are not of age to smoke anything, and, and it's not sure it's right even if they are, so do you want to put our kids under the influence of this guy? He goes, you know, you're right. It's kind of, I don't know. Let me call him back. So this is back and forth all day. So he called me back, and he said, uh, I said well, what I said to him, I said, why don't you ask him if he'll just take those pictures down? You know, because really, uh, he's free to do whatever he wants to do, but really that influence is not very popular and healthy. So he called the guy, and the guy said, no, I won't take the pictures down. I'm free to do that, and I'm free in Christ to do that. I'm not going to take the pictures down. So the guy, without even calling me back, just said, well, then I don't think we need you to speak at our camp. He goes, are you serious? You're not going to have me speak at your camp because I won't take two pictures off of my social media site? And he's like, here's the deal. You are valuing your freedom over your influence. You're saying, if I have to choose having influence over hundreds of teenagers for a week at camp or freedom, I'll choose freedom. That is not what Paul's saying. I'll read it to you again. If food causes my brother to fall, I'll never eat meat again. You go on and read and Paul says, I am free to eat meat. I am not offended by meat that was sacrificed to an idol. I know idols aren't even real. It doesn't even matter. But if it's going to hurt my influence for the gospel, I'll just never eat meat again. It's simple. That's a rare attitude. And so this young man chose to not influence hundreds of kids for Jesus Christ for the sake of his freedom. And I think that's a problem that we see in our culture today, even inside the church as people celebrate their freedom over their influence. Well, guess what? That's the principle of example. We have the opportunity through social media, through technology to influence other people in amazing ways. That ought to be the front of our mind. That ought to be our utmost concern is how are we leading other people? So here's the question that goes along with the principle. Is this increasing my influence for Jesus? Whatever your use of technology is, that's a question you can ask yourself. Is this increasing my influence for Jesus? The fourth principle is this, the principle of edification. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24, 
Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one should seek their own good, but the good of another person. So think about that for a minute. That's agape love, the kind of love that the New Testament talks about that we should have for one another. It's this idea of placing supreme value on everybody, on every person. Every person has supreme value to God. So it's the idea that I'm going to live and treat you regardless of what you act like or anything else about you. You have value to God. God's placed value on you. So I'm going to treat you like you're valuable. And so the idea of building someone up is saying, I'm not looking for opportunities to tear you down, to call you names. I'm not looking for opportunities to get even with you. I'm looking for opportunities to build you up, to constantly build you up. That's what Paul's saying here. That's the principle. So how can you use social media or not just social media, technology period, to build up someone else in your life? Well, you can do that. It's a very easy thing to do. I don't know about you, but I try to send people encouraging text messages you know, through the day, just something sort of random out of the ordinary. I say, Lord, lead me to somebody today that I can just encourage, send them something that they're not going to forget. And I spend some time praying through that and thinking about that. What's the best text message you've ever gotten? The most encouraging text message that you've ever gotten. You remember one? If you do, let me encourage you to do something today. And that's when you get to lunch today, when you're sitting around the table, whether at home or a restaurant, tell your kids what that is. Let them share with you what the most important or most encouraging text message they've ever gotten. Several years ago, Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of a church over in Atlanta, Georgia, he sent his son this text on his 16th birthday. He said, I wish if I could, I could go back in time when I was 16 years old. Here's what I would tell myself, son. I would tell myself to be exactly like you. That's powerful. He was saying, I bless you. I'm proud of you. I'm glad to be your dad. I think you're doing awesome. I love who you are. He said all that in that one text. If I could tell my 16-year-old self to be anybody, I would tell him to be just like you. I guarantee you they have that saved somewhere. <laughs> because when you get encouraged in that way, it, you want to keep that. You want to live on that. You, you feed on that. You need that. We all need encouragement in our lives. And so that's the principle of edification. It just means to build up. So how are you using technology to build someone up? It's a process. It's a thing that we get to do with other people's lives. So many times we use technology to rant about something or even to name call with people that we don't agree with politically or about other things. And we, we don't live this principle out, this principle of building other people up. But we have an opportunity to do that with the use of technology. It makes it a lot easier. So here's the question that goes along with the principle. Is this building other people up? Whatever my use of technology is, am I using it to build other people up? So just think about that in the last seven days of your life. Who did you intentionally seek to build up? Maybe through technology. If you didn't, then maybe for the next seven days, think about one person each day that you could give an amazing gift to of affirmation uh, or encouragement in their life. I said a minute ago that when we did the welcome that probably somebody in this room or somebody in your connect group when you leave here needs encouragement today. They may have come just thinking, I'm on my last, I'm at the last hope, last straw. I, I just came to church today to try to get some encouragement. And, and just ask the Lord to lead you to those people. Let them have some encouragement. Give it to them. This Bible says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we should encourage one another all the more as, as it's called today. So that's the principle of edification. The fifth principle is this, the principle of exaltation. Paul said this, therefore, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. You know what glory is? Glory is when you turn the attention to someone else. So when all the attention's turned on you, who gets the attention? It's about making someone famous. It's about making, in this case, God famous. It's about making Jesus famous. It's saying, I'm not the source of any blessing or even any good thing that happens in my life. All of that comes from my father. 
Honestly, one of the things I don't like about social media is it seems like there's just a sort of an acceptance of human pride. People are constantly through their pictures, boasting, and maybe even through their statements, boasting about their lives and how wonderful it is. And I'm glad if you have a blessed life, that's great. But so many times it ends up being about us, not about the source, not about the giver of all good gifts, but about us. And so when you have attention on you, when do you have attention on you? There's usually two times we have attention on us. When something really good happens in our life, like we get an award or we get recognized for something or like you guys know when they win the Super Bowl or the college national championship and they put the microphone in the coach's face or they put it in the player's face, the MVP's face, and they say if they're believers, right when they're, when all the spotlight's on them, they immediately often say, I want to give all glory to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, who I wouldn't be here without him today, you know, something like that if they know the Lord, because they realize that in that moment, when all the attention's turned on them, they want the glory to go to the right person. They want the glory to go to Jesus. So that's one of the times that we can give God glory and exalt him. The other time is when we go through really hard times. And I honestly think when we go through hard times, we have a greater opportunity to exalt the Lord than when we go through good times, because in the hard times, people are watching to see if what we say we believe is real especially our friends who don't know the Lord. That's when they're really watching to go, are they really gonna trust the Lord with this? I mean, because that'd be amazing. One of the things we've dealt with with Christie's cancer is family members who don't know the Lord. And it's been a joy to get to share with them and talk about the Lord and see what's happened in their lives. And someday I'll share those stories with you guys because they're, they're deeply personal, but it's amazing what God's doing. We, we, thought from the very beginning of this thing, when she was still in the hospital, we said, you know, God's trusted us with this and, and we're gonna give him glory. We don't know what the outcome's gonna be. I didn't know that I'd be ever standing up here six months from the day that she was diagnosed and telling you that she didn't have any cancer. I didn't know. And maybe, hopefully she'll never have any more cancer. I don't know though. But the point is, whatever that looks like, we wanna give God the glory, good or bad, because in the bad times, there's a chance to magnify him and send people and point people to him that we don't have in the good times. So I encourage you, even if you're going through hard times, who are you exalting in the hard times that you're going through? It's very important. Paul said, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God, that he gets the glory because he's the one that deserves the glory. So here's the question, is this making Jesus more famous? It's a great question. Is, is my use of technology making Jesus more famous or am I really more about making me more famous? Am I about the attention? And here's the sixth principle this morning. I know I've flown through these, but, but you can go back and, and take notes from the podcast or from the sermon later if you want to online. The principle of evangelism, 1 Corinthians 9.22, you're familiar with this verse. Paul said, to the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. That was Paul's heart. I mean, Paul said, look, I'm nothing without the gospel. I, I, didn't, I couldn't get a right relationship with God by being religious. I tried that. I was the chief of sinners, he said about himself. But he said, now that I know the Lord, I'm all about telling other people about the Lord. My life is about evangelism. It's about sharing the gospel with people. I don't know how many of us can really say that. Uh, we're hesitant to share the gospel with people. We're afraid we're going to offend people. We're afraid they're going to get angry with us or ask us a question we can't answer. But if that was our heart, then yes, technology affords us a lot of ways to be able to share the gospel with other people. If that's our heart, if that's what we desire to do. You know, several years ago, we had a, 
we've had several bands that came into our youth ministry as, as we brought bands here to do concerts. And that, the whole point of that was to draw kids in. Uh, music was at a certain place in our culture at that time to where, man, kids would bring their friends and be drawn into that. And, and every time I'd bring one of those bands in, I would sit down with them before the concert and I would say, look, now it's been really, really important. I'm glad you're here. I love your music, but that's not the most important thing tonight. Don't be offended, okay? The most important thing tonight is that every kid who walks through these doors hears about Jesus and knows how to trust him as their savior. That's, that's why we spent the money. That's why you're here tonight. And sometimes I got pushback from some of these bands. Some of them were like, well, that's important, but really they came to hear the music, you know, the music's really important. I was like, yes, it is. It's not the most important thing. So I had some heated conversations with some Christian bands before their concerts because I was like, so tell me when you go out there, I want to know that you're going to share the gospel, that you're going to tell these kids how they can receive Christ and you're going to give them an opportunity to do that. And if you don't want to lead them in a prayer, then have them go to your merch table and tell them someone will be there and I'll be glad to be there and pray with them to receive Christ. Okay. And so I can't tell you how many times bands told me, yes, we will do that. And then they would get up and say something like, we love God. We're so glad you're here tonight. We hope that you'll love God too. Good night, everybody. You know, and I was like, wait, 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 that wasn't the gospel. Okay. So finally I got to the place where I would just put it in the contract. I will share the gospel. <laughs> that's fine. If you want to talk about the gospel, that's fine. But we're going to stop at some point in the concert and we're going to share the gospel because it's that important. It's just like when we come in here, man, some people don't know the Lord who are here this morning. Probably some people who are watching online may not know the Lord and they may never get another chance to hear about him. So we want to take advantage of that. If your life is about the gospel, you're constantly looking for ways to share it. And technology affords you a lot of great ways to do that. I think about our own DNA as a church. And I love, I have all the time that I've served here, but even before I came, the thing that drew me here was Moberly seemed like to me a church that was willing to do whatever it took to reach people for Jesus, willing to do some unusual things over the years. I remember just two weeks after Pastor Glenn became our pastor 12 and a half years ago. And at that time, we didn't have an 8 o'clock service. We just had a 9.30 and 11 o'clock service. And we'd had an 8 o'clock previously, but we weren't currently doing that and hadn't had one for a few years. And so it's, when he became our pastor, man, the 9.30 and 11 o'clock service was full and there were chairs in the aisles. And he came in staff meeting a couple of weeks in. He goes, look, we got to do something. we gotta, we got to add an 8 o'clock service. And there's nobody currently going to church at 8 o'clock. So what are we going to do about that? And so what we always do is typically go to people and ask them to pray about whether or not they'll move and realize that people who are currently coming at 930 and 11 are not probably going to be excited about getting up at eight, you know, early enough to come at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning. But you'd be surprised the eight o'clock service was started by people at Marley Baptist Church who said, you know what? It's not our preference, but because we're all about evangelism, if it helps us reach people who are going to come at 930 and 11 and need a seat, then we'll move. And that's how the eight o'clock service started. That's the way we've started things over the years, over and over again. That's the way we've decided to do ministry things is will it help us reach more people? Because that's the heart of this church. But the heart of this church is based on the heart of you, the people. And I love that about our church, that it's been a consistent thing. I hope we never lose that, that we are about helping more and more people understand how to know Jesus Christ as their savior. And technology helps us do that. We do services online now. People can access our services online. I have relatives who watch our services now because of what we've been through with Christy. And they're listening to the gospel. They're hearing the gospel preached. Who wouldn't listen before? So the great thing is we have these opportunities available to share the gospel in lots of different avenues. So here's the question that goes along with the principle of evangelism. Is this going to help more people hear the gospel? Is it going to help more people? Is it going to reach more people with the gospel? That's a very important question. A question you should ask yourself in terms of your use of technology 
Am I helping to spread the gospel? Am I helping to help people understand how to know Jesus as their savior? I wanna go back to something that Paul said in this verse. He said, to the weak, I became weak. In order to win the weak, I've become all things to all people. All people. That's you. That's me. That's everybody you know. It's everybody in your neighborhood, everybody at your business. It's everybody that you're friends with on social media. It's everybody you're going to sit by on an airplane or in a train or wherever at a vacation spot. It's everybody that you're ever going to interact with. It's you this morning, all people. The gospel is for all people. That's part of our mission is to reach all people, to lead all people. So this morning, I don't know if you've ever trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've ever asked Christ to come into your life. I'm going to ask nobody leave the room for the next couple of minutes. We're, we're, not, we're not late this morning, and I won't let you out late, but this is, this is very important. If you've never asked Christ to come into your life this morning, I want to give you a chance to do that. The Bible says, Jesus said about himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one can come to the Father unless they come through me. You can't get to God through any other means. Religion, being good, being moral, or trying to be moral, can't do it. won't work. The only way, Jesus said, is to put your trust in me. Paul said, whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And so this morning, if you want to do that, you can. That is the good news. It doesn't cost you anything. It costs God the life of his son. But he's paid the price for you so that you could have eternal life. You could have all your sin forgiven so that there's no hindrance between you and God now. You can have that face-to-face relationship now that lasts forever into heaven. So that's a wonderful thing this morning. Many of you have already done that. So I'm gonna ask everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes and pray. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm gonna ask you to pray right now for people who are in this room or who are watching online. And I just want you to know this one, this is a moment of decision. You don't slide into salvation, you make a decision. You ask Christ to come into your life and he will save you. He promises to do that. And so this morning, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that. It's the greatest offer anyone's ever made me. I want to make that for you, and that is you can trade all your sin for forgiveness. You can trade all your alienation from God with intimacy, for intimacy with God this morning. And it's just simple. You just call on his name. So I'll lead you in calling on his name. And and you can pray a prayer because a prayer is, is how you call on the name of the Lord. But the prayer doesn't save you. It's just proof of your faith. It's proof that you trust that Jesus is who he said he is. So this morning, if that's you and you want to ask Christ to come into your life, just simply pray to God and say this, or something like this. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinful person. I don't want sin anymore. I want to be in a relationship with you. Please forgive me for all the things that I've said, done, and thought that offend you. I know I deserve eternal hell, but I don't want that. I want to be with you forever. I want to know you. Help me live for you and love you. Help me please you. God, save me this morning. And I ask these things in Jesus' name.